The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Give thee our thanks, O Lord our God, that we are able to come into thy presence this morning with glad and grateful hearts. Thou art good and doest good, and we have been recipients of thine immense bounty. Thou art our creator, sustainer. Our breath comes from thee, every good and perfect gift from thee as well. Our indebtedness goes beyond what we can ever repay, even for things material and temporal. But when we add to these the riches of thy grace and mercy and peace through Jesus Christ that provide life for our souls unendingly, we are filled with amazement and wonder and humble ourselves in thy presence and thank thee that one day we shall begin to praise thee as now we long to do and then increasingly and never-endingly Be pleased, then, to be with us this morning. Disclose thy Son to us in and through Holy Scripture by the light and power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and bring us afresh to him and make us aware that we do live in him who once died and rose again, never to die again, and who is forever at thy right hand in glory for each and all of his people, longing that they shall be there with him. Sustain us in our pilgrimage. Bring us then into thy heavenly presence and our eternal home, and help us meanwhile to serve thee in making known the gospel far and wide. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please be seated. Familiar words from Isaiah 55, the opening few verses. Let us hear the word of God. Ho, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast Sure love for David. So far the reading of God's word. Uh, We are regarding this chapter as providing an anticipation, a blueprint, if you like, uh, for the mission of the Christian church in the world. The consequence of the atoning work and exaltation of the suffering servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ. And as a result of his death 
a rich feast of life for thirsty and hungry souls is provided. We can therefore think of the book of Acts and go on in our minds to the present day. And here what we find is our standing orders for making known the gospel. Seeing that so much is provided and for so many, all, anyone, everyone, thirsting and hungry, from all nations, all generations, the immense scope of this gospel call, it is certainly appropriate, and we are authorized divinely to invite people to come. Not merely saying that provision has been made, which is more than adequate were the whole world to come, but calling upon men and women and boys and girls one by one to come to Jesus Christ for that full and free life which is eternal. Uh, we are therefore to be confident about doing that, not diffident, nor hesitant. Uh, we are to make sure that our relatives, friends, neighbors, co-workers are at least once made aware that there is a place for them at the Savior's table and that if only they were to come to him, they would receive that life uh, which is only to be found in him. We must never allow those who are near and dear to us and those with whom we have contact ultimately to be able to say, I was never invited. I didn't know. No one ever told me. We are debtors, debtors to all, Jew and Gentile, to make known the gospel to them. And so it is appropriate that we uh, do not feel in any way hesitant about calling people who need eternal life to come to Jesus Christ. But it is also vital that we emphasize that the call is to be heard. And that is what I turn your attention to this morning. In verses, uh, the, the latter part of verse 2, and then in verse 3, uh, the, the stress in the opening part of this statement is on the verb here, just as in the opening verses, the stress is on the word come. Here, here diligently, the verb is repeated. It's like blessing I will bless, or dying you shall die, hearing you shall live. Uh, the repetition stresses the urgency and the intensity of what is being called for here. And not only that, we have the picture of bending the ear, which is perhaps the beginning of the bending of that stiff neck, so that we give attention to what is being said to us. Clearly, hearing is not automatic, even though speaking is done. The very fact that it's specified and underlined uh, indicates that this isn't automatic, that we aren't only to be uh, satisfied and concerned with our part of this mission and task, namely making known. We are to be concerned about the response. We are to call people to hear, 
what it is that is being said. And that isn't something that should be taken for granted because though they have ears, they do not hear. Isaiah was told, you remember, hearing they shall hear and not understand. The Lord Jesus Christ himself called upon those to whom he spoke. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And again, let this saying sink down into your ears. Make it yours and be attentive to it. Now, why this stress upon hearing? Well, there are two reasons. The first is this, that hearing leads to coming. Hearing leads to coming. It's not possible to come, to respond to this invitation, except in terms of what we hear. Coming isn't making our own way at our own whim and according to our own thinking. Coming is responsive, and that includes hearing to what is being said. We are to come to the one who speaks, that great one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the prophet Isaiah is a type of him here. Isaiah says, incline your ear and come to me. Jesus says, come unto me. He is the one of whom Isaiah is speaking. He is the one in whom this feast is to be found. And what we are to do, of course, is to make known that general call to all. And pray that the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of his Spirit, will add to our feeble voice even our pleading and appealing tones to be reconciled to God, that he will add his voice so that people do hear. Because unless they hear him, they cannot believe. And unless they believe, they cannot come. Believing, coming, eating, feasting is all part and parcel of what is actually involved here. And so, hearing is essential to coming. That's the first reason. But it's the second reason that I want to highlight for you this morning. You can expand these matters yourselves. But this, note this second reason. Hearing leads to coming. Coming leads to being met. Hearing leads to coming. Coming leads to being met. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, the sure mercies of David. Those who hear and come are met. And they're met in wonderful terms and with a glorious reality. They aren't called upon to come and make a commitment themselves, though that is appropriate though that is required. But sadly, the term commitment can not mean that much often. Not even 
much less a decision. But even the word covenant, which describes something solemn, doesn't it? Solemn and serious. Uh, Giving of ourselves to the one who is reaching out to us. Even that can be done. What is being said here is this. I will make a covenant with you. And the covenant that I will make with you will be one that is in no way at all dependent on your merit and attainment. Its continuance will not rest upon even your fidelity. It will rest upon me. Wasn't that how the Lord spoke to David who wanted to build him a house? And the Lord said, you want to, I will build you a house. And it will last. It will pass through very rocky and turbulent times. I will build you a dynasty. And there will be some of your descendants, even your own son Solomon, who would undermine and destroy it if I did not maintain it. But I will. And I will not take my covenant of love from you as I did from Saul. It will stand. It will remain forever. Run through in your minds the history of the monarchy in Israel and Judah. Take God out of the equation. Will the Messiah come? No. No chance. No. But in reality, there's no possibility that the covenant will fail. There are many covenants in the Old Testament, aren't they, from which conceivably Isaiah could have taken a reference. But he didn't. He took it from 2 Samuel 7, from the covenant with David, not merely because here's a king and there's a messianic king coming, but because that covenant is resting in no way at all on any other foundation or basis but the Lord himself. And now he says to the returning sinner, Come. Everything's ready. Here, bend your neck and come. And I will meet you. What a, what a meeting that will be. Because I will pledge myself to you forever. The sure the ESV here has the singular. Really, it's the plural in Hebrew. The sure loving kindness says, this isn't a one-off display of love and mercy. This is love and mercy all the way from earth to heaven. 
time and time again. Just as the kingdom will totter, you'll totter, and he'll uphold you. Just as the king would be wayward and disobedient and be just chastised, you'll be wayward and disobedient and chastised, and so will I. But the covenant will stand. He will be yours, you will be his. No one and nothing can pluck you from his hand. And there'll be pardon and cleansing and strength and peace and restoration and succor all along the road. It's everlasting. And it's everlasting in terms of sure mercies. Mercy isn't merit. Needing mercy, we have no merit to plead. God is good and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. So come, hearing, and be met by a God who will receive, a God who will feed, and never, ever let you go. And provided you are willing to live by mercy and never turn to merit as the basis on which to receive anything from the Lord, particularly in time of need, you will never, ever fall away. If you are willing to live on mercy, it will take you all the way home to heaven. Let us pray. Grant us then, O Lord, that kind of hearing which receives with meekness thine engrafted and fruitful word. Grant that we might never imagine that there is anything about us or anything that we have uh, which can add to what thou hast done, let alone replace it. Keep us humble. Keep us trusting. Enable us continually to look to Jesus Christ our righteousness and in and through him to know thee as our Father and the Holy Spirit as our sanctifier. We thank thee for all thy kindness and care. Be our shepherd. Be our king. Grant that in every dark valley we might know thy presence. Feed us with living bread and enrich us with heavenly oil. And grant that thy goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in thy house forever. Amen. Copyright 2012, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.